0: Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 136 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I'm your host, Paul Marquis. Today, we're going to be talking about cervical facet syndrome, and we're going to take a look at. Cervical Facet Anatomy. We'll be looking at some of the causes of facet syndrome. we are gonna be talking about the signs and symptoms and even talk about how to treat this. And really, our focus is going to be on how do you conservatively treat this? And there's a really high success rate at treating, treating cervical facet syndrome. So I'll give you some pointers on what I like to use today uh, to treat cervical facet syndrome and uh, how I like to manage it. We'll talk about how to evaluate it, which I think is very important because it can be very confusing sometimes to understand if this is a soft tissue issue around the cervical spine region or if it's a a herniated disc, nerve root compression, or facet problem. But I'll help tease that all out for you and uh, give you some pointers on how to manage that. Uh, But before we get started, I'd like to just take a moment to hear a word from our sponsors.
0: Do you experience leg and foot fatigue when standing for long periods of time? A main doctor and the company he founded, Mainly Technology Group, have created a high-tech all-Terrain chemical-free sock designed to reduce fatigue. The Easy Glider sock has a graduated compression weave to keep blood flowing and to keep you energized. Created by Dr. Lee Thibodeau, the Easy Glider is also frictionless, lightweight, warm, extremely durable, and wicks away moisture. The socks will stay fresh for days thanks to the organic antimicrobial agent, Kytosan. Easy Glider is the only sock you'll ever need for sports, work, and leisure. To find out more, visit EZGliderSocks.com. That's EZGliderSocks.com. Did you know that over 90% of foot and ankle problems are caused by a tight calf muscle? Introducing the Easy Slant, a durable, adjustable, and portable calf stretching device. The Easy Slant was designed to increase stretching compliance and get you back on your feet and feeling better faster. So, if you work with patients seeking to ease or avoid foot pain or clients who want to improve their athletic performance, look no further. Visit EasySlant.com to learn more or order yours today. Enter coupon code OEP for a 10% discount on your first EasySlant.
1: Hello and welcome back, everyone. So, let's start off with cervical facet anatomy. Now, You know, when we talk about cervical facet disorders, they're not all that common. We're going to see, you know, more issues with the elderly population of people who develop arthritis in the cervical facet. But we do see this problem in younger folks. And um, this is what I want to kind of focus on today uh, in regards to how to evaluate it and manage it. But I think it's very important that you understand a few of the anatomical pieces to this so that it's, uh, it's easier for you to piece this together and, and, and put it together because remember, the better your evaluation, the better your treatment will be. So um, when you look at the cervical facet anatomy, remember, these are like two plates sitting on top of each other, okay? So unlike the lumbar spine where the facets are situated vertically, The cervical facet is situated more horizontally, okay, so just like taking um, the palm of one hand up in front of you and the palm of the other hand down and putting them together and then sliding them side to side, okay, that's kind of like what a cervical facet is, so more horizontally situated, and those facets support the posterior aspect of your spine. And remember, the discs are what support the anterior side. Um, the hyaline cartilage inside the joint is nice and smooth when you're young and. And healthy as you get older, that hyaline cartilage starts to break down a little bit, it becomes pitted, and it will start to cause some crepitus in your neck. And this is a question I get all the time and in a statement that I hear all the time is patients say, my neck cracks all the time. I always have cracking, snapping, popping in my neck, and they associate that with something that is bad. And I always explain to them that the neck by nature is very noisy, okay, just because of the orientation of those facets and our posture and how we hold our necks. So they are noisy by nature. And if they're noisy and not painful, we don't really worry about that too much. Now, you need to remember that around... The facet is this nice synovial capsule, and with movement, that synovial capsule produces synovial fluid and makes uh, everything you know, much smoother, uh, and there's some space between that joint okay, at first. And so that helps with the movement, and uh, it absorbs shock, and it helps to support our spine also. Now, one of the ways that you can cause irritation to the joint itself is by extending the cervical spine and side-bending, to that one side where there is irritation, okay? So that gets compressed in that way. Remember that because we're going to be talking about that when we talk about the Sperling's test um, and how I, use, I usually differentiate between a nerve root problem and a facet issue. And the other thing you need to remember is that that facet joint is very close to the nerve root. So if you get any spurring and that joint becomes enlarged, it now takes up space in that foramen where the nerve root comes out, so it can be a physical adjutant you it can be a mechanical compressor. We talked about chemical and mechanical irritants, and this could cause a mechanical irritation to the nerve. The other thing you need to remember when we while talking about anatomy is that the head weighs ten to twelve pounds. Think about it all day long. gravity's pushing down on your head. Constantly and um, posture is very important in regards to you know the weight distribution through your spine and so remember head weight can can make a difference here. Now what causes cervical facet syndrome? There are many things. There's you could have degeneration of the joint. Okay, just breakdown of the joint. You can have some osteoarthritis there that causes some irritation to that joint. You can have trauma. okay? You can have a whiplash-type injury, uh, and an extreme extension of the cervical spine or lateral flexion. Some people will develop this through repetitive strain, you know, uh, painters who do a lot of ceilings. Uh, we see this a lot in mechanics who are working Overhead when the car is on a lift, they're reaching overhead, but they're also looking overhead in awkward positions, really compressing those facets um, quite a bit. You can have joint inflammation. So, you can have just a little stress or strain to the neck, and the joint gets an irritation, it becomes inflamed, and just like your knee joint or your finger joints or your shoulder joint, it's encapsulated. Okay, so you can have some swelling inside the joint that causes it to become painful and tight. And then you need to look at posture. You know, people who sit at a computer terminal all day long, maybe they don't have a good pair of uh, glasses, you know, computer glasses. So they are hyperextending the neck while they're looking straight ahead. Um, if they have a forward shoulder, rounded shoulder type posture or kyphotic posture, they need to extend the neck even more to be able to communicate with people in front of them. And so, therefore, when you have that little hyperextension of the neck, um, even if you think you're upright you may have some excessive compression to those facets that can cause a lot of irritation, okay? So what are some of the signs and symptoms that a person may have or a patient may have a facet syndrome, a cervical facet syndrome? Well, number one, the pain is usually localized. Very seldomly does the pain radiate very far from the cervical spine. Now, it can, okay? So if your facet joint is really irritated, like I mentioned earlier, you can have some mechanical compression, on the nerve root and cause some ridiculous pain. But typically it is much more localized. So people will will put a finger right on that facet area and say it hurts right in here. And then you can even palpate that palpate that facet and reproduce their discomfort. And it's very very localized. Their pain will be exacerbated with extension and side bending now you'll have a little bit of limited rotation but remember those facets are horizontally situated so they don't get compressed too much with cervical spine rotation so notice that your neck can rotate side to side better than your low back and that's because of facet orientation okay that's why i like to start early cervical spine rotation activities because it doesn't agitate that facet too much okay these folks who have facet syndromes will also have a lot of localized spasm in that area. And so that is also quite common with people with cervical facet syndrome. Now, when you do a Spurling's test, which you should do on just about anybody who has a cervical spine issue, you will notice one thing. When you extend laterally flex to the side of pain and rotate to the side of pain, you are closing off that facet, you're causing some compression to it. Okay. Now, if you have a facet problem, it will cause localized pain to that facet, the patient will be able to put a finger on it. If they have a nerve root compression problem, they will get radiating pain down the arm into the scapula, maybe sometimes even into the chest, and that pain will radiate. Okay, so It's very important that you delineate with your Sperling's test where they are having the pain, okay? Sometimes that'll cause paresthesia down the arm. That is not necessarily a cervical spine facet issue, okay? Facets are localized when you do a a Sperling's test for the most part. Now, how do you treat these? Well, the first thing I do is I always try to focus on real conservative treatment. These are oftentimes very, very inflamed. That inflammation causes pain. That pain causes spasm, which causes a loss of range of motion. So I always think during my evaluation, what caused this? Okay, What was the onset and when did this come on? Um, so, you know, I ask them questions. Did you do anything where you were looking up a lot? You know, arborists who look up a tree or people who paint ceilings you know the the mechanic who is looking up overhead all the time some people will say I just woke up and I twisted my neck funny and now I can't move it and they have severe discomfort severe spasm they can't look up they can't tilt their head and they just kind of rotate their whole body uh, in order to you know do something when they're looking side to side or they get to a stop sign and they have to rotate their body to the left and to the right to see down the road that's very common with a facet syndrome Now, I always check out their ergonomics, um, especially if they're working. What kind of situation are they in? What kind of neck position are they in? So I really like to get out there and do ergonomic exams um, just to see if there's some sort of repetitive compression that is causing this to get irritated all the time. So I look for that little neck hyperextension type of position. And then, you know, look at age. Try to identify if a patient has arthritis. You know, I look at their finger joints, their knees might be, um, you know, developing some arthritic change. They might crepitus in their shoulders with some loss of range of motion. Um, it's not uncommon for these folks to develop arthritis in the cervical facet and have limited range of motion and pain. The one thing I like about treating people with cervical facet arthritis is that most of them do somewhat better. If all they have is 10 degrees of rotation to each side, I generally can gain rotation to either side and improve their quality of life significantly. And usually they will complain of less pain. Um, I really like treating these patients because they see some improvement. You can measure the improvement and they feel much better um, doing what you do. I just avoid extremes of extension and hard lateral flexion. I just really work a lot on the rotation and they progress nicely with that. And just getting that that synovium and that facet joint moving a little bit um, can be helpful because they, they become stiff. It hurts to move the neck so they start stop moving it. And therefore the joint becomes stiffer. Um, so those folks really do well in therapy. Uh, And I always tell them, you know, I give them expectations. I would tell them, you're not going to gain complete range of motion like you had when you were 18 years old. But if we can gain 20 to 30 degrees in each direction, that is significant in regards to quality of life, the ability to drive, um, to look at somebody who is off to your side. Um, And so I really, uh, I really talk about those expectations, but those folks do really well. Um, Another way I like to treat these is, you know, you need to remember this is an inflammatory issue most of the time, and so they could do well with nonsteroidal anti-inflammatories, or if they're really uh, severely painful, a, a steroid, but uh, I leave these recommendations up to the PCPs, and uh, I think that they can make a better decision on that uh, than I can. Uh, now, when they have inflammation, they have pain. That pain causes spasm and tightness. Now, one of the things I see is a lot of prescription for muscle relaxers. And I just, you know, I understand why it is, uh, why it is ordered uh, because they have a lot of spasm. But I find that it fatigues the patient quite a bit. Um, and I don't see a significant change in the inflammation or pain level. And therefore, it just continues to spasm and just doesn't come around. So I kind of look to manage the source of the spasm uh, more so than just the spasm itself. And then the other thing I like to do is, uh, you know, some soft tissue modalities. I'll talk a little bit about how I like to treat um, cervical facet syndrome. And, you know, uh, we just did a podcast recently about soft tissue modalities. And this is a situation where I really like to use modalities. I like to use moist heat. I like to use interferential current as long as there are no contraindications because it just decreases their pain. Now, remember, if you can decrease their pain, those muscles will relax better they will work with you better. The patient will. They'll be able to move a little bit better, and when you start to normalize movement, then the muscle starts to respond better. Um, Following some light soft tissue modalities, um... I also like to do some light cervical traction, some suboccipital release, just to get those surrounding soft tissues to relax and and move a little bit better. Very gentle traction, and I put them in a little bit of flexion, and I flex them to the opposite side too, um, just to open up that facet joint. And then by doing that, we're not compressing it. We're just kind of mobilizing that, that synovial capsule. And they generally will do better with this. You don't need to get super aggressive with this. Okay. Now, one of the other things I like to do when treating cervical facet syndrome is a little bit of rhythmic rocking. And there's a couple reasons for this. Number one, uh, what I am doing is I'm placing the patient in the supine position. I am taking their head and neck. And I am gently flexing and rotating them to the opposite side, okay? So if they have a right facet problem, I will rotate them to the left and flex them gently to the left, very rhythmically and very relaxed-like, and they generally have some good relief with that. If you push them a little too far, they'll have some discomfort in the facet. Um, So what I do is I just keep them in that comfortable range, the rhythmic rocking, helps to and and, and those of you who specialize in um, treating patients uh, neurologically With you know strokes or spasticity and things of that sort, which I am not a a specialist in, but have learned a lot when I was on my clinicals learning neuro. um, That rhythmic rocking can really help to decrease muscle tone and get a patient to relax well. Okay, so I do this rhythmic rocking, and so I'll go off to the left if the problem's on the right, and then I'll kind of work my way into flexion a little bit. And what I'll do is I'll do a video of this for you folks and put it on YouTube, and uh, that and put a link into the show notes so that you. can click on that and I can show you uh, how I like to do this. And I'll keep going and working my way over toward the right side until I get to the point where they feel a little bit of a catch in that facet. And then I'll work my way back and I just don't want to keep irritating it, but I want to keep opening it and moving it and mobilizing it nice and gently. So that is something I really like to do. The next thing I like to do is I like to really start with light cervical spine rotation. I always flex the spine a little bit so the facet isn't closed. And I do very gentle rotation. Remember, the facets don't get compressed too hard like that. um, And that motion to mobilize the synovium really helps to to get things moving and um, allow them to have less pain. And then um, I also like to do deep cervical spine flexion exercises, and this I can put a video into. I don't have one yet, so I'm going to work on it and show you what I like to do. Um, you know, If the sternocleidomastoid muscle starts to overpower the deep cervical spine flexors, what happens is it will cause your head to tilt back. And and it will cause your cervical spine to become hyperextended, then your facets get irritated some more. So what we try to do is shut off those sternocleidomastoid muscles and work on the deep cervical spine flexors. And that will, by nature, put your head over your shoulders a little bit better, but also open up the framen in the neck and take pressure off of the facets because they will be opening because you'll be going into relative flexion of the cervical spine. Um, So I like to do that also. Now, don't forget, uh, when I have people with cervical spine issues, I always work on a postural program. So I work on um, periscapular strengthening, scapular retraction type activities, Pectoral flexibility, um, especially pec minor, and I will add a video of these exercises uh, that I like to do also in the show notes uh, of this uh, of this podcast. And um, so, I, I it's a really a comprehensive program. We start with some modalities. We we use some of the tools in our tool chest, and then we get into a functional program and a postural program. Ultimately, working on optimizing the range of motion of the cervical spine. And uh, we do fairly well with this. Now, let's say that people don't do well with, you know, the conservative course, and they're still having a significant amount of pain. You know, diagnostic imaging um, could be helpful at this point. Uh, We generally don't need to start with diagnostic imaging because facet syndromes, in my opinion, are very easy to identify clinically. So make sure that you do a good clinical exam. And then if you don't You know, succeed with your treatment program conservatively, then get your x rays. Inflection and and extension x rays can be helpful, see if there's any instability. And uh, then uh, maybe even an MRI of the cervical spine. These folks can also uh, consider uh, having interventional injections uh, into the uh, facets or in the surrounding area to help with that facet discomfort that they're getting, and uh, folks can uh, do well with that also. Very seldomly do people with facet syndrome need to undergo surgery. Um, so try to treat it conservatively and see how you make out. Uh, if you need to, get to injections, uh, but again, uh, like I said, I don't see that very often. Um, generally, we do well conservatively. So... That uh, will conclude our show on cervical facet syndrome. I hope you enjoyed uh, the content and the information. If you have any questions, get in touch with me. Those links are in the show notes. Please send me your questions. If you have an orthopedic uh, diagnosis you'd like me to talk about on the show, I'd be more than happy to bring that up. And uh, please give us a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And um, check out our YouTube channel. I'm uh, constantly uploading videos uh, about how to treat, how to manage, and how to evaluate orthopedic uh, issues. And remember, keep learning, be confident, and uh, help others. So, folks, I hope you have a great day. Take care.
0: We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.